Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Joining us now, the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline, Bernadia Johnson, and she has an interesting story to tell. She worked in, has worked in public education for most of her life, including 15 years in the Minneapolis public school systems, 10 as the superintendent, uh, also in Memphis, Minnesota State Mankato. Um, it is a life um, uh, devoted uh, to education. She's seen everything. She's been in the middle of the controversial firestorms, and uh, uh, she's seen the progress being made in the city. She's seen what needs to be done in the inner city uh, to change it. And, and Bernadia, we've, we've got a number of things that I want to talk to you about, so I'll get right to it. But thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me. Uh, let's start with, I want to just start with education in Minneapolis because we've seen the education gap in the studies. Then we saw COVID come through and then we saw a teacher strike. Uh, you lived this for a long time. What, what concerns you the most over the next five years for the kids that are getting educated in Minneapolis right now? So, Mike, I think the main thing that uh, concerns me is that the overall culture of the organization, there's a lack of trust uh, among the stakeholders I would wish that people would communicate with one another and be transparent about uh, the challenges and the great opportunities. We have great kids in Minneapolis public schools, and they deserve the best education possible. And I think I know when folks are not talking to one another, not communicating, not trying to come up with shared solutions and strategies, how detrimental that can be for students' overall outcomes. Is that faculty to administration? Is that administration to school board? Where, where, where's the where's the breakdown? Well, I I guess it's hard for me because I'm still on the outside, so uh, yep. I'm doing a little backyard quarterback in here a little bit, you, right? Yep. And so I'm only talking as a person who's been within the system, and what I know is that it's absolutely necessary to get past whether you like each other or not. Get to the table and do your damn job. And for me, that's what's important. So it's not clear to me exactly, but I would say all the stakeholders need to set aside their egos and sit down and talk about what they can do on behalf of children in Minneapolis. So, you know, I could be a good backyard quarterback, but I don't, I'm not in there. So I probably should not be as you know, opinionated, but I am. I can't help it. <laughs> Compare and contrast Minneapolis to Memphis, the school systems. You've worked in both. Are they similar or are they completely different? Well, they're really different. At the time I was in Memphis, it was the 19th largest school district in the country. And when I went to Memphis, people were still paddling kids. So we're not doing that in Minnesota. So we're very progressive in Minnesota. And the district was mostly African-American students, mostly African-American teachers, but had its, also had its challenges with the achievement gap. But uh, with the help of some great leaders in schools and some great um, associate superintendents, there were some really good changes made under the leadership of Dr. Carol Johnson. I was her deputy superintendent. And so I know that uh, 
the the unions. What was interesting in Memphis, the teachers and the principals were in the same bargaining unit. Really, and that's just unheard of here. And you, you think that's better and healthier or not? Well, I think it 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 has its it has its advantages. So it's not people pointing the finger at each other. We're all in the same, you know, fishbowl together. So we talk to one another. So I thought there was a level of uh, understanding and ability to talk to each other because you were in the same bargaining unit. But I also know that um, that it was a a system that also um, had the uh, the state could take over districts in Tennessee. And that can't happen here, which is a luxury here, which means you do have local control. You have the opportunity to be in control of your destiny. You have the opportunity to come up with localized strategies that are, are best for the system and the schools that you serve. And so I think uh, for me that that um, brings a level of autonomy uh, from the state to the districts that, that wasn't necessarily in a in a school district in Memphis, we had schools that were not achieving the best results for students. Where do activities and sports play? What role do they play in overall education for kids? Well, here, what I know is that I always think about the three A's, arts, academics, and athletics. And for me, athletics uh, plays a huge role in the engagement of students. It teaches sportsmanship. It teaches collaboration. It teaches students how to get along with one another and it gives people something to 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 really feel good about right and so you have students out there playing and it also forces the school to say you have to be eligible to play so that means you have to get to keep your grades up and so when I was in Minneapolis it was important for the athletic directors to make sure that they were also asking kids how are your grades so, so it's kind of this reciprocity but athletics can bring a whole community together. But we need that same kind of effort coming together around academic achievement as well. Can you do that? You know, Minneapolis North is a good example. They, they bring people together through their athletics. Can, can you bring people together uh, through, through academics? Can, do, do we do enough to celebrate it? Do, do we do enough to, to set up an infrastructure so that people are proud of their academics? Well, I think, I mean, that's a great point. I mean, that's... Uh, I, you know, we, we try to celebrate schools, and maybe it's not. Um, I remember one year Southwest was on the top U.S. news top high school in the in the state and in, across the country. One of them, and you know, people like, "Well, why are you celebrating them? Look at their student population." But regardless of the student population, every school that is achieving excellence should be celebrated. And Henry was on that list as well. Uh, there are things that we do. You know, there's the citywide like chess club and the debate club and things like that that students are engaged in as well that we try to celebrate i say we look i've been gone for like six years yeah but you're still in the community you're still part of the community i live in the community you told me yesterday you can't you can't once you've been involved in minneapolis you said you can't shake it you can't move on it lives in you it lives in you i mean for those of us you could ask anybody even if we're disappointed even when when we think things could be better and we know things could be better, even when uh, things are really bad, people who worked in Minneapolis and led in Minneapolis on the board, in the classroom, you know, even with everything that's going on, we still want to be optimistic because the alternative alternative is not okay. It's not the alternative okay. is not good. So 
That's why, I mean, I have relatives. When I made a decision about any school or anything in Minneapolis, try going to Thanksgiving with a bunch of educators. I tell you, I had to finally say, look, you guys, if you're going to, like, pick apart my decision that the Thanksgiving dinner is already happening at the school board. Give me at least an hour here to just eat some turkey, huh? an hour. Let me eat a deviled egg. Let me just have a cocktail or something oh no they would light right in on me okay and that's what i I want to take commercial break and come back because that has is part and parcel that has something to do with what the other reason that i'm having you on here tonight is you know you were a leader the stress of it the understanding of it the understanding your health uh along the way particularly in a stressful uh position and um some of that has caught up with you, and we will explain that when we come back. Bernadia Johnson is our guest, former superintendent of schools in the Minneapolis School District. Welcome back, Sports to the Max. Bernadia Johnson is our guest, former superintendent of schools in the city of Minneapolis and beyond. Now I want to get to the difficult part of this conversation. Uh, and I want to start with... Um, Lots of people's lives have been turned upside down over the last few years for different reasons, COVID-related and beyond, um, and lots of reasons for it. But, Bernadette, I want, I want to walk you back to 2019. Um, you, you suffered, uh, you know, the, the tragedy that many people think of, uh, of uh, when they entered this world, and that, and that is, if I get married, who may go first? Uh, you lost your husband of 42 years. Uh, explain what happened in your relationship with him that was such a rock in your life. Well, my husband was one of my main supporters of me. Uh, encouraged me to go back and get an advanced degree. Was there when I thought about applying to Minneapolis to be a principal. He was just a rock for me, for my family and friends and, and colleagues. Just a rock. Just a lovely man, and when my when I left Minneapolis in 2015, when my grandparents were ill, he helped me take care of them. He helped me help them transition off this earth. He was there every single day, doing everything he could to make sure they were comfortable and and maintain their dignity. He was a part of that with me in the caregiving, and then he. Um, was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And we're like, we know people with prostate cancer. He can beat this. Yeah. But he waited late. And it metastasized to his bladder and his stomach. And he died August 19th in 2019. Mm. So I lost my life partner. I lost my, someone who I was going to be living my golden years with. Yeah, you're so me. Yep. We were together longer than we were alive. Yeah, you know, 42 years of marriage, yeah. Yes. I mean, it's, it's quite a feat, quite frankly. Yes, and it is. I miss him dearly. Miss him dearly. I'll bet and you every day. Every single day. Every yep. single day. It is hard. But I, I have friends and family who are there uh, supporting me. And when I have my toughest days, they remind me to smile. I think it's about the time we had together. Yep. And he was just a gentle, he was a gentle soul. He was not high strong like me. You know, he was yeah. like, everything in stride. You know, it's like, you know, he would just say, dear, and he was a he was an assistant principal in Minneapolis, and I get mad every one day. I was late for a principal's meeting, and I got to the meeting. I looked at him and said, "Why didn't you tell me it was a principal's meeting?" He says, "Well, you're the boss. I thought you would know." Such a great humor, and everybody loved him. So, yeah. yes. Okay, and, and and there's no guarantee that just because you lose one, that things won't get better in your life necessarily. 
you got a diagnosis that we all fear. Explain. Yes, I uh, got a diagnosis and didn't know. I I was diagnosed with high blood pressure and with diabetes. And I would go to my doctor and she shared with me that my kidney function was declining. But I never thought about that, meaning that I would go into kidney failure and have kidney disease. And she said, you need to see a kidney specialist. And what I know about myself is that I was so preoccupied with trying to do my service to Minneapolis. And I'm not putting the blame on the district. It was my decision not to go to doctor's appointments when I made them. I counseled them. It was my decision. When I got there, I was running late from something, and I was preoccupied and didn't listen well enough that I my own health started to be impacted. And so now I'm dealing with uh, advanced uh, renal disease uh, from kidney failure. And I'm trying to live each day to the fullest and trying to figure out what I can do. And a friend recommended that I, I tell people that I hadn't told a lot of people. I think because... First of all, I didn't know what the reaction would be. And I just couldn't deal with people like, well, you know, shame on you kind of thing. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, high blood pressure and diabetes are endemic in African-American communities. And there's a high, uh, there's disproportionate number of people of African-American descent who have kidney disease. I think I forwarded you a New York Times article yeah. that was just came out yesterday on this. And so the more I learn, the more I understand that it's, it's really about, you know, how you handle your health. You know, uh, first of all, you know, I, I'm, I wasn't very active like I should have been in terms of physical activity. And, you know, in, in that eating, I need to change my eating habits and those type of things. But um, I, I really am um, at a point now where I feel like I can be a person to talk about this so that I can share with others, especially female leaders, all leaders. I think sometimes we just don't take care of ourselves. Not that I thought I was omnipotent. No way. I never thought that. But it's just that I would be so busy that I just didn't pay attention. And I I regret that because I have two lovely grandsons now that I want to be able to see graduate from high school and college and go on with their lives. And I don't know if I'll be here to see because my husband wasn't. Mm. And that, that makes me sad. It really does. Well, are, are you on a donor list? How does it work? Because you're going to need a transplant, right? Yes, I need a transplant. So last year, last summer, I spent the whole summer getting on the transplant list. So I'm on the UMM's transplant list. And uh, But people who want to know more about that, they can go to mhealth.donor.screen. No, mhealth.donorscreen.org if they're interested in helping me. Or go to the National Kidney Foundation and find out about this disease. Because the thing is, I didn't know you could live with one kidney. So both my kidneys are bad. So if one of my kidneys was okay, it would be okay. Uh, not okay, but, you know, I still would have to modify my lifestyle a little bit. And But the fact of the matter is, yes, I'm on the kidney do, uh, donor list. And this summer, I have to go back through that whole battery of assessments again to, to remain on oh, the list. Oh, that's how it works is they so, have to update it annually to see where you fit, huh? Yeah, they, they, they update it annually to make sure you're still a candidate to be on the list. If not, you can get removed because I got COVID from my five-month-old grandson. Okay. But when I got COVID, 
they want you to notify them. So I notified them and they put me, I still stayed on the list, but I was at a, what's called an inactive status. So, so there are things that could put you in jeopardy of, you know, you could be put on the inactive status or you could be taken off the list based on your behaviors. And so far I've been behaving, I've been behaving pretty good. So okay. I'm that's good news. Yeah. I, I, I would, I would yes. think nothing less, but, but if you were to give, uh, you know, th- there are lots of young leaders out there, male, female, African-American, uh, uh th- that, that, um, fall into your category you become consumed with a job a career it's never ending you never have enough time in the day you're always trying to solve problems and thinking about and so you forego on some things that could be critically important to you because you just focus on the here and now what what do you tell those people slow down um, make your doctor's appointments and when you go listen take notes and review them and understand what your doctor is saying to you and I also uh, know that, you know, try to make adjustments right away. Uh, if I had caught this earlier and paid attention, you know, like I'm skipping into stage five right now. And, can- and kidney is a slow disease, so it's not like cancer. It's not as aggressive. It doesn't go all over the body. It just stays in the kidney. So for that, you know, it's not going to metastasize to another organ or to another part of the mm-hmm. body. It's just the kidney. So... The main thing to do is and find time to to relax and find time to get away. And my husband used to do that for me. He used to take me, he used to pick me up on a Friday. He says, we're going to Duluth. Hmm. And I would just push back. I don't have time to do that. I mean, I would kind of argue with him about it. He said, we're going. And as soon as we got 35W up by White Bear, hmm. I would follow asleep. Absolutely. Exactly. Your body would just, you told your body it was okay to shut down and it was shut down, right? Yes, right, yeah. exactly. Well, I got to so, tell you something. I, Michelle Fisher reached out to me, and she 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 considers you a great mentor. And I met with Marcia Wyatt today, uh, another oh, person you? that you mentored. Yeah. And, and I mean, the, the people that you've influenced, and, and and how they've stepped up on your side, and and are behind you, and trying to work with you, and work through this with you. That has to be gratifying by itself, because these are teachers that are still in the Minneapolis Public School District. Some have moved on, uh, but you mean the world to them. Oh, I know. It just made me, I didn't know about Marcia, but I certainly knew about Michelle because she called me and told me. I'm like, Michelle, I, I, my teachers and I, uh, we had a really good relationship. I mean, we didn't agree on everything. And sometimes we did, you know, disagree. And, but we were always professional, always professional with one another. Mm. And, and always could talk about what was going on in the school and what needed to happen. And so that, I, I'm so gratified by the fact that, Two teachers in Minneapolis recognize uh, m- many more than two. Those are just the two that I've spoke to, but they've said the same thing. So, uh, last question. Last question for you. What, what can people do? What, what do you recommend as it, based on what you've gone through and, and, and to be a donor? All those things. So I think so. The, the, if they want to be a donor, they can contact, like I said, mhealth.donorscreen.org, and they can go fill out. And then they'll ask for my birthday, so I'll just give that out. 11, 12, 1959. But the real thing is for them personally, this is about me, but it's also about the clapping call for everybody out there to pay attention. And what I say is do some moderate exercise. I'm going to walk two times a week. Do something that you don't have to run a marathon, but you must be active. You must reduce your salt intake. You must eliminate or reduce the stress. And if you are on medication, take it. 
take the medicine and take the medicine as prescribed and and that's important and see your doctor regularly for for physicals and and make sure that you're asking them the questions because they're there to support and serve you and you do them no good and yourself no good if you don't ask questions like what can I do to to slow this disease down what can I do to 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 um make sure I'm in the best condition that yep. I need to be in yep yeah, Bernadia, uh, we will stay in touch with you. I got a TV piece coming on you on Friday, but I appreciate it very much. Thank you for giving us some time. Thank you. For You're in our thoughts and prayers. You know that. Thank you so much. Thank you. I know. Thank you so very much. You bet, Bernadia Johnson. Wow, that's some heavy stuff. Stay with the sports to the max. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.